so I want to talk to you guys about this idea of power tools. And before I jump into the message, I actually just want to share a story with you. Believe it or not, I actually spent most of my summers in high school doing construction work. And the way that some of you guys are looking at me, I, I, I was just as surprised as you were that they actually hired me. <laughs> like, I'm like throwing the hammer and... And uh, so this one time, I'm, I was helping build a house. We were in the country, and there's this massive house, and it had log cabin siding, and, and it was gorgeous, right? And, and I see Ryan just salivating. He's a contractor. He just knows what I'm talking about. It's just gorgeous house, and, and I go up, and I start building it with these guys, and we get to the part where we're putting on the siding, and, and uh, I'm hammering in this huge, it was just, it was I don't even know why they didn't just put logs in it. It was just looked like real logs. It was heavy. And so I'm nailing these things in, and it's like this tongue and groove thing. And, and the guy, I'm on one side of the house. The, the owner, the contractor's on the other. And uh, I, like, get through lunch, and I'm, I'm like, this high, right, with, with my hammer and my nails. And I'm just working, and I'm sweating. I think I lost 10 pounds trying to put on siding. It was ridiculous. And I go over, and this, he's at the top of the house with his side in, and he's got this little nail gun, and he's just zipping. And I'm like, hey, man, you got to teach me how to use that thing because this is not going well, <laughs> you know. And the, this idea that, that I want to bring to your attention is that power tools actually uh, are magnificent things. You know, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking of Ikea furniture. Have, how many of you guys like shopping at Ikea? All right, a couple of you creative types, right? Like, here's the thing about Ikea. You, no matter what you buy, you, you know that it was from Ikea. Am I wrong? No, I'm, I'm 100% right. My wife has bought Ikea furniture, and they give, and it's, it looks great, but it's like this like plywood thing, and they give you an Allen wrench. And you're like, it takes like five hours, and your hands are bleeding, and then you have this thing. And I'm a bigger guy. I don't sit on Ikea furniture. Like, for a reason. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's beautiful, it's great, but it's cookie-cutter. You, you know what you're going to get. With power tools, there's so much freedom and ability to create, right? There, there's, so much, there's so much that you can do with, with the right tools. And I found that out through my time in construction and through my wife loving Ikea furniture and my hands just not being able to... Like you get the wrench and you're like, I can't do it anymore. And she's like, it's almost done, right? There's just things that you can build. And as believers, we're actually called to build stuff, right? Like, I don't think it was an act, right? Amen, come on. I don't think it was an accident that Jesus was a carpenter. It just fits so well with our sermon illustration. God was thinking of us 2,000 years ago, right? It says this in 1 Corinthians, it says, if anyone builds on the foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. You see, the the thing that I wanna bring to our attention about power tools here is that they're actually things that we use to build into our lives in Christ. The power tools themselves have no power outside of what God has commanded and ordained through the power of the Holy Spirit, but we use these tools to build in our lives. 
right? The Bible actually says that we can have powerful lives. It, it says, uh, how many of you guys have, have kind of looked around and you're like, this seems like there's no power here. Come on, let's, let's just be honest. We, we look at our country, we, maybe even we look at our own lives and we compare, well, Jesus said you could do greater things than even he, and we look at our lives and we don't see it stacking up. Come on. How many of you guys can, can relate with that? Yeah, amen. amen. Me too. Sometimes I'm like, are you sure, Jesus? Were you talking about me? Sometimes I just think that Christians are, can be just a lot of talk, if I'm being honest. You feel me? You picking up what I'm putting down? This is not a condemnation thing here. I want you to understand. It goes on to say in Corinthians, it says that you'll still be saved, but as one barely escaping the flames. God is actually putting us to the test, and what we build actually really matters. And and it says this in 1 Corinthians 4.20. It says, the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. And everybody said, amen. You see, this is the reality of of what we want to establish today is that God has given us everything that we need to walk out lives filled with purpose, to build with things that when tested by fire will stand. Amen? And, and, and I'm, I'm gonna be talking a lot about um, different disciplines, and these disciplines are just tools. That's what they are. They're, they are power tools. They are not everything, right? Like if my whole life was to become a saw, all I would do is cut people, <laughs> right? But we can use these different tools, and there's all kinds of them that, that God has given us that we can use to build this powerful life. And Dallas Willard has this quote. I just think it's so perfect. It says, we practice spiritual disciplines, but we don't trust spiritual disciplines. We trust Jesus. And everybody said, amen. These tools will help us live by God's power. And, and, and the first thing we're gonna jump into um, is God's word. God's word is a tool. It is a power tool that we can use to grow our faith. God describes his word as alive, as breathing, as active, as powerful, right? And, and I know that we talk about this a lot, but this is church, and I actually think we need to talk about this a lot, amen? But God actually has said some stuff to us that I think we need to pay attention to. And I think that it's, it's, it's really important because a lot of us out there, maybe not in here, but in, in, in America in general, have a ton of reasons why we don't get into God's word, right? I, I think we can all agree that maybe some of these hit you like, ah, it feels too religious, you know? It's, it's boring. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Maybe you're one of these people that said, I don't know if I have time. I, you know, like me, I don't like to read. Uh, I don't know where to start. Maybe you're in this camp that God's word is, it's, it's great. It was good for a time. But this is just not relevant anymore. These are the things, the reasons that people have to not actually utilize 
what I believe is actually the most powerful tool that God's given us in his arsenal. And the reason why it's the most powerful is because it's the most tangible. Like we talk about life in the spirit, we talk about prophesying, we talk about gifts, we talk about all of these things, but God is invisible and he spoke into existence this word that we have captured in like hundreds of languages, right? And it's this very tangible thing that I think we can agree on can still have application today, right? And so if we can weed through the excuses, and the time thing is a big one. Like, I just wanna circle back to that, that, that I don't have time, I don't like to read. I didn't even know how to read for a long time in my life. I'm gonna be honest with you guys, I was in sixth grade when I learned how to read. Some people are shocked, I was, it was, I didn't really know how to read until sixth grade, and, and my teachers just kind of passed me through. I must have been that kid, but it clicked for me. I learned how to read, and uh, for a long time, I just listened to the Bible. Like, and you can just do that anywhere, right? Like, I'll just drive down the road, and I'll just listen to it. So there's all of these things that, that we can use, but, but my goal is, is to actually break through some of this, and I, and I want you guys to experience the power of God's word, because like I said, it's the most tangible thing. Like everything that God wants to say to you, he's actually said before. And we talk about this, I know you guys have heard the terms uh, rhema, like the rhema word of God, God wants to speak to you on a personal individual level. And there's another word, it's called logos, and that is the authority of God's word, that is um that is everything that God is saying, and it, it has his backing, it has his stamp of approval. That's actually what the Bible is. It's his logos word, his authority. It said when God spoke, it happened, right? This is, this is recorded for us in scripture. And the cool thing about rhema, the rhema word of God, this idea that God has, wants to be personal and connect with us actually falls in line with it's, it's actually word that doesn't just mean personal word, it actually means connected to authority. So God wants to take everything he has said, right? And he wants to say it to you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that, isn't that awesome? God wants to take everything that he said and he wants to say it to you. Let me just read to you guys a scripture here. This is God's heart. This is how he wants to refresh you. This is how he wants to work through his word. It says, oh, the joys in Psalm 1, starting in verse 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never, never wither and they prosper in all they do, but not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. See, I love the contrast here the author of this Psalms is putting it pretty bluntly. If you can meditate on God's law, on his word, in other words, 
you're gonna, ha- you're gonna be like a tree planted by the river. Well, what, what happens to a tree planted by the river? A wiver? River. <laughs> Apparently, I struggle with my R's. It's a thing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> they can edit that out of the video later, right? Yeah, okay, thank you. you. You'll be like trees planted at the riverbank. You'll bear fruit. Your leaves will never wither. You'll prosper. But if you're not like that person meditating on God's word, you're getting it from other sources, it's a path that leads to destruction, like worthless chaff blown in the wind. You see, God actually wants to bring us great joy. God actually wants us to have delight in him and he wants us to have a life lived inside of his word. I'm gonna set up a story for you guys. This has honestly been one of my favorite stories uh, for a long time. And it's set back in the Old Testament time. For, the, for those of you who don't know, that's uh, before the gospels were written, right? This is the prophet Jeremiah. And um, he, he prophesied about the Israelites that if they didn't turn from their wicked ways, and return to the Lord, Jeremiah says that they're going to get taken over from their enemies in the north, right? Babylon. Like, they're going to come in. Babylon's going to take them out, and they're just going to scatter the Israelites. And that's exactly what happened. Jeremiah, the prophet, warned the people. They didn't listen. And so God used Babylon to just spread them out, right? And over the course, uh, part of the prophecy in Jeremiah was that God's actually going to start to bring them back and, and he's going to pretty much punish Babylon. Like, Babylon thought they were all good. And God's like, psych, I got you. You're going to get yours. But part of that prophecy, um, after about 70 years, was that the Israelites were going to be coming back. Um, and so they did. And they, came, they started coming back from exile in Babylon in waves. Uh, Zerubbabel led the first wave, okay? Ezra led the second wave. And then Nehemiah led the third wave. And when Nehemiah came back, he noticed that things weren't happening according to Jewish law, according to the word and the decree that God had made. And so Nehemiah sees them coming back and and understand that he knows the prophet Jeremiah uh, prophesied that their exile was going to happen because they weren't listening to God. And so he comes back and he's like, they're not listening to God. What is going on? So he actually pulls all of the, the whole nation together. And in Nehemiah chapter eight is where we pick up the story. It says, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month of Ezra, the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. So what happened? He's like, none of you guys are doing what God had said. And so we're gonna have church. Like, we're gonna bring everybody together. It says before this passage, they worshiped for a long time and and they read from the law. Now, What actually happened, we're going to read a short portion of this. They read from the book of the law for seven days. They gathered like this for seven days. They just came together, and they just put it out there. 
and they just read from the law. It says this, picking up in verse eight, it says, they read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and the teacher of the law and the Levites who were instructing the people to them all. He said, this is holy to the Lord your God. Do not weep or mourn. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the word of the law. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy the food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Isn't that powerful? In verse 12, it says, all the people went away to eat and drink and send portions of food to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. This is amazing, right? We, we, we say this scripture a lot, right? In Nehemiah eight ten, that the joy of the Lord is your strength. But you know where that joy came from? God's word. And not just God's word spoken, but his word understood, his word stirring in the depths of their heart. It did two things. It caused repentance, right? It says that they were troubled. They're hearing God's law and they're like, oh my gosh, we're not doing this. And then it brought about great joy because they understood what God was saying. Isn't that amazing? And they went out and they spread that joy because of what? Because they went back to God's word. It is a delight. It is the joy of the Lord, which, by the way, gives you strength from God. Amen. The other thing that this does that's just so powerful is it actually directs our lives. Right? In Psalm 119, it says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God actually has a story, like Pastor Jamie was talking, he actually has a story he wants to write for. He actually wants to direct you down that path and he wants to use his word to do it. His authority, his logos, and his rhema. He actually wants to take what he said. He wants to say it to you. He wants you to walk down the path that he has for you and he's gonna use his word to do it. Now, you might be saying, well, how? It doesn't say in the Bible, Joe, you should do this. That'd be great. Like if there was just like a magic back page and if everyone who opened it, it was like the Lord just said, that's what you would, wouldn't that be fantastic? Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. I'm gonna give you an example. Um, when, I, when I was younger, I'll talk about when I was younger a lot. I'm still pretty young. <laughs> when I was younger than I currently am, uh, it was... About the end of 2012, the beginning of 2013, my wife and I paid off our house, um, which sounds impressive. It wasn't. Um, anybody can pay off a house when it costs $17,000. Uh, that's how cheap houses are in Nebraska. Yeah, that's because nobody wants to go and live there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Location, location, location. Well, I was in the sand hills of nowhere. And that, that's how cheap it was to buy a house. So we paid off a house, right? And that was a big deal. I was like 24 and uh, like I said, younger. And 
and uh, I was thriving in ministry. I was, I was a youth pastor. Our youth ministry was growing um, for a town of like a thousand people. We had like 50 kids in our youth group. So basically everybody was there. Like the whole town was just at our youth group. That's about how many people lived in my town. And uh, it was a little more than that. It was like a thousand people, but still. Uh, and and these things were going good. And, and it didn't make sense that I would ever leave, right? Like you're growing, you paid off a house. How many people could say that no matter how much it costs? And it just didn't make sense for us to leave. And I was, my wife had been asking me um, for a couple of years, she's from Whitewater and she's like, hey, uh, are we ever gonna leave? And I was like, probably not. And she was like, you tricked me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's right, I did. <laughs> We got married real fast, you know what I'm saying? And, I, and it was in my heart to probably trick her because I thought she's going to wake up one day and we live in Nebraska and I'm not real special and she's going to be like, what did I do? And uh, it happened, you know, she's like, you tricked me. And so she would just always ask, like, could we possibly think about leaving? And I was just like, no, like, this is what God has for us. I'm going to retire here probably. I don't know why that's what my thought was. Have you been to Nebraska? <laughs> I love, I'm actually... I knock on it because I'm from there. I, I love where I grew up. Um, but it didn't make any sense. And I was just reading scripture one day. And, and I'm reading in the Old Testament. And Abraham takes his son to go sacrifice him on, on an altar before the Lord. And, and mind you, this is the same son who God said that he was going to uh, bless all the nations. through. Like This was his line. It didn't make any sense. Why, why God, and I'm reading this, I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Like if I'm thinking like Abraham, like this doesn't make any sense. And God broke into that moment and said, how much sense does it make for you to leave when you think you need to stay? I was like, God, are you asking me to leave? And he's like, yeah, I am. Well, that doesn't make any sense. I don't think my pastor's gonna be real happy about that. <laughs> and, and, and he wasn't. Um, I'm a likable guy, you know? <laughs> I'm really propping myself up in this message. If you didn't, I got to, but it didn't make sense. And so God broke into this scripture that I was reading and he correlated it back to my life. That's how God, that's just one example how, how God can use his word to speak into our lives, right? I don't know that I ever would have gotten that word had I not known about the story of Abraham, right? I, I don't know that God could have broke through. The Bible actually says that the Holy Spirit wants to remind you of everything that he has said and teach you of all things. Reading scripture and knowing what God has said actually gives the Holy Spirit something to work with. And he can direct our paths because of it. There's a key word here that, that is used in, in Psalms, and, and I'd really like to draw attention to it. It's the word meditate. It says, they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Now, meditate means this. It just means to ponder, to imagine, to think about. Now, this isn't some like, overly spiritualized, like clear your mind of something. Actually to meditate means to bring into focus something. Now, I don't know if you know this, but you probably meditate all the time. And it's not a super spiritual activity. 
Some of us meditate on the problems that we're having at our job. And we just think about it. And we ponder it. And we go through scenarios of how we can make it better or what this person is doing. And we make narratives about that's, that's meditating. Maybe some of you guys are meditating about the weekend when you're going to go fishing. I know I am. How big a fish can we catch? Jason and I are going fishing on Friday, and I'm already like, yeah. And everybody said amen. Thank you. Yeah. I'm already like, oh, what spot can we go to? And I, and I found myself for about 25 minutes like, I, we could go to this spot. Really, We all meditate. Whether we think it is or not, it is simply to ponder, to think about what God's asking us to do is to actually do that with his word. Right, to actually sit down and think about it, to, to chew on it, to, to take scripture and mull over what it's talking about and allow God to be inside of that. I'm convinced that whatever we meditate on will get stamped on our on our hearts, on our souls, and it's gonna get replayed later. It says this in Jeremiah 31, it says, this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. This is the kind of relationship God wants to have, that he would take his word and just bury it deep inside of us. And then there's a promise attached to that church. It says that he will be our God and we will be his people. I want, I want a relationship like that where, where, where the things that God has said are just stirring in my heart day and night. That I'm just thinking about him more than I'm thinking about an amazing fishing trip. And it's going to be amazing. But I want to think about him more. I want to think about the things that he has said more. That I actually think that when we begin to do this, our life will actually respond like God's word tells us to. Not just by reading it. That's actually not the case. Just reading it has no power. But living it experiencing it, putting it to the test, driving it deeper and deeper. See, if I'd connected the word about leaving when it didn't make sense, but didn't actually follow on it, didn't actually follow over that and say, okay, God, let's, let's do something about this. I'll tell you one thing, I definitely wouldn't be here. I would literally not be here. I'd probably be back struggling in small town Nebraska, right? Now, honestly, I I really hope that I've done a good job of kind of like driving the point home that we need to get into this. But I think for some of us, we just have no idea how. And, And some of us in here, some of you guys are teaching me how to read God's word more effectively, and I love you for that. But some of us might just, we might not just know how to start, like all the reasons and excuses, all of the things that we talked about at the top, they might be true and we just might not know how to get past that. And so I just want to give you guys as we end here just a couple of things. I'm going to go through this fairly quickly 
but it's really powerful stuff. And so the first thing is this. I actually just think we need to find a starting point. We need to find the right book, right? I honestly recommend don't start in Leviticus. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. Like, if you've never dug into God's word before, Leviticus is not a good place to start. I tried once. I'm like, what? I, I was falling asleep, you know, <laughs> And this guy's son was this guy, and his father was this guy, and his dad was this guy. And I'm like, check. Like, no. I, I actually, here's, here's where I always tell people to start. John. Start in the book of John, in the book of Philippians, in the book of Ephesians. Right? Find the right starting point. Find the right starting point. Here's the second thing. Before you read, you should pray. You see, this is actually a really important piece because I actually think that we can get really religious and just read our Bible and then we did it. And we checked off our Christian duty. But actually, if the Holy Spirit wants to teach you something, then I think that it would be really powerful if we started inviting the presence of God into our study time. And it didn't have to be this like, like where you say all of God's name, like Jehovah Jireh, come Jehovah Nisi. It doesn't have to, it's, this is what I pray. Holy Spirit, show up and teach me Say to me today what you want to say as I dig into your word. It's that simple. Like, I know that's super, right, like theological. It's, it's just ask God to show up because it's actually him who makes the word alive. It's the spirit of God that makes it not just print, not just ink on a page, but alive and active and breathing it's his presence. And so invite him into it. Pray. Go in expecting that God is going to say something. Expecting that something is going to jump out that you can learn and grow and experience God. Here's the third thing. Go slow. Go slow. Start slow. You don't have to read the entire Bible in a month. I, I'm actually, like Kevin and I were talking about this. I don't think I'm a huge fan of reading plans. Like read the Bible in 90 days. Read the Bible in a year. I don't actually care how much of it you read as long as you just do it. Just get in and dig in and, and take it slow. And, and if you're going in and your plan is that you're going to read John chapter one today, and you get three verses in and God wrecks you, meditate on those three verses. Stop on those. There have been times where I've read three verses and I just kept reading the same three verses every day for a month. I didn't go anywhere else because God was using those verses to speak to my life. You feeling it? Like, this isn't a religious thing. This isn't a get through it thing. This is a go until God says something. 
Seek it out until you find something. Continue to knock until he opens the door. Right? This isn't a religious thing. This is a relationship thing. God's gonna meet you where you're at. But doing these things will actually open yourself up. Leading again, we talked about this earlier, just meditate. Take time. Prayerfully consider what you're reading. If something doesn't make sense, look it up in a different translation. Look it up in in a concordance. Look up a word that doesn't make sense to you. Take your time to dig all the way into the scripture. The fifth thing here, actually read it with people. Have somebody who can help you understand it. Honestly, if you're struggling, you're not sure where to start, you're not sure what something says, come talk to me. Come find somebody. Find somebody you trust who is living the kind of life that you want to live in Christ and ask them to show you what God is speaking to them. Ask for words of wisdom. And, And it's not a substitute for the Holy Spirit by any means, but it's actually important that we do this together. Like God designed us to do this together as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Like it is actually biblical for us to do it together. I have people who I talk to. I, I have people who are pastoring me, people who are teaching me God's word. Now, the difference is, is I don't just stop there, right? I, I like wash, rinse, repeat. I go back and I check these steps myself. I'm like, is that what, you know, Holy Spirit, is that what you're saying, God? Is that what you're doing? Is this what this means? And then the last thing here, don't stop after one time, right? Like don't, don't leave here today and get into God's word and, and then you, and you get something from it. And I, if you dig into it and you stay with it long enough, God's going to give you something. I promise you that. Then do it again, <laughs> Like it, people who just stop, it, it reminds me of when I was young in our marriage with my wife. Um, back to the young thing again. I, I used to like do the dishes and I'd like do them on a Monday and I felt pretty, like I helped out. And then I didn't do anything again. It was like a week later and she's like, you never help around the house. And I was like, I did the dishes. She was like, a week ago. <laughs> Don't be that guy. Like, I read God's word a week ago. Don't don't stop. Continue to dig. Continue to seek. And if God shows up and he gives you something, amazing. But don't let it be the end. Don't stop. I read you guys the story in Nehemiah. And and he he came in to check on things and and they had this like seven-day church event and everybody was pretty pumped about it. He actually went back to Babylon um, for a short time. He had to get supplies. He had to get stuff um, because they were rebuilding the temple. They were rebuilding the wall. Um, They're doing these things. And so when he comes back, back in chapter 13 he is like so disappointed 
because though the word filled with joy for a time, the nation of Israel didn't stick with it. He says he looked and, and, and the Levites were actually back in the field because they weren't getting um, provided for, which was at that, like the people came in and, and their, their tithes and their sacrifices actually fed the Levites and it wasn't happening. And so they had to go work the fields there was idol worshiping. Nehemiah threw out the idols. And he's like, we just, we just talked about this, guys. <laughs> like, we just did this. What happened? They just stopped. Right. And in Nehemiah, he, I don't recommend this, but I thought it was worth noting. In Nehemiah 13, it says, Nehemiah was the author of this. He says, I rebuked them and called down curses on them. I beat some of the men and pulled out their hair and I made them take an oath in God's name. <laughs> like he was that desperate. Again, not a good evangelical tactic, okay? Don't, don't do that. As a pastor, honestly, I felt like doing that. <laughs> like if they would just listen, it would be okay. Not a great tactic. But you understand that just because God shows up for you today is not going to sustain you tomorrow. Now, God is enough. God is sustainable. But this isn't meant to be a one and done thing. This is meant to be a relationship that we walk out daily. And that's why we talk about this discipline of studying God's word, of, of figuring out the things that God says because it's a daily practice, not a religious one, a relational one. God actually wants to take all of the things he said throughout the, the thousands of years of history and he wants to say them to you and me. He wants to show up in the context of our reality in the context of our today and speak words that will empower us, encourage us, embolden us. He wants us to carry the Christianity of Jesus. And if Christ is the cornerstone, then the foundation is his word. Everything else that we build from is going to happen through the word of God. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, we praise you. You've given us everything we need to walk out this life with you. God, I pray that today wasn't just a good message that it wasn't just a, a church service that we attended. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would show up and you would convict us, Lord. That we would enter into relationship with you more fully, more exclusively. That we begin to see and experience the manifest presence of God. God, just that you would show up. Would you teach us all things and remind us of everything you have said? In Jesus' mighty name, amen.